Welcome to the New Future Podcast, where we talk to business leaders, researchers, and visionary thinkers about what happens next. I'm Kate Raines-Goldie. And I'm Kate Rezavena. On this week's episode, we're talking to Philippe Guichard. He is an award-winning international industrial designer and TEDx speaker. Philippe owns an industrial design company in Melbourne called D2 Design and Development. He's launched a bunch of successful products and has helped his clients generate over $2 million in revenue. As a self-described holistic designer, Philippe believes in making a positive difference to the world through his work, which is why he's very passionate about the circular economy and the triple bottom line, which encompasses profit as well as environmental and social responsibility. Philippe, welcome to the new future. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here with you today. <laughs> and we're excited to have you. Um, so can you tell us a bit more about what you're currently working on? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm working with a number of clients, mostly founders and startup entrepreneurs and in different industries. Um, so I'm not really bound by an industry. I'm more bound by uh, values when I choose a product and when a client wants to uh, work with me. So I have a project in the car industry, one in the DIY industry, one in a household accessory, um, one in the desk accessory. So yeah, it's all, all a bit, not really all over the place, but really in different uh, segments, which is, mm. I find very exciting. Mm. And so the circular economy is very important to your work. Can you speak a bit more about what that is? Yeah. So in my understanding, the principle of the circular economy is to uh, move away from the linear uh, uh, way of um, manufacturing, using, and disposing things that we've been under for the last you know, 200 years. So what's been happening is that we kind of, the first step to extract uh, material from the earth, process that, turn that into a product. The product has a lifespan, and after the lifespan, we dispose of the product, which means that we put that generally in landfill, and what is in landfill, unfortunately, also ends up in the ocean. So <clears throat> this linear um, you know, uh, process is really hurting everything. It's hurting the economy now, and it's hurting the planet and, and people and animals and ecosystems and everything. So the circular economy is to try to find loops. So you may still extract you know, materials from the earth, but then when you design a product or the service in a circular economy, then you make sure that at the end of the life cycle, the product or the material will reintegrate the circle. So it's not the, the there's limited waste as much as possible. And the best case scenario that there's no more waste is just coming back to a loop. And then the extraction of material doesn't end in landfill. It, it ends as a new product or new you know, system uh, after it's been used the first time. Mm. And Philip, and we can see in the news there's so much discussion happening around um, countries now becoming more self-sufficient, which often means bringing manufacturing back. Um, and, and new technologies like 3D printing and so on can make manufacturing uh, much more viable again uh, economically, rather than having so many goods manufactured in places like China, for example. Um, and so what's your view on this, particularly for Australia? And, uh, and is 3D printing actually environmentally sustainable? Is it good for the planet? Okay, so there's a lot in that question already. So <laughs> I'll try to answer you know, by, by bits and feel free to remind me if I forget something. Um, I think 3D printing has its place uh, 
in the manufacturing process. Um, if you manufacture millions and tens of millions of parts, maybe 3D printing is not quite the answer to this date. Um, so I think you, we need to imagine that 3D printing is still very much at its infancy, which means that the speed and the quality that we have is, is still very kind of rough. And I know that we're a very big trend two, three years ago that, you know, everyone, every household should have a, a 3D printer. But there were two things in my mind that uh, would make not that quite happening. One is the, the barrier for entry for everyone is not the 3D printer itself. It's how do you generate a 3D model by yourself? And we don't quite have the technology for that. It's quite hard to you know, do a bit of CAD for you know, anyone. Um, like it's not like a Word document in just typewriting. It's a bit more complex than that. So that's one barrier of entry. And the second is that it's too slow and doesn't quite do you know, things that you really want it to do. Uh, so in, in many ways, it's, that was still very limited. But now we have new technologies coming where you can 3D print several material in one part at the same time, which is very exciting because it means that you can have, let's say, some mechanical constraint for a part and then some electronics inside and, and all that can be 3D printed in one go. So that's, in my mind, that's quite fantastic. And the, the, the way I get really excited with 3D printing is not in the actual um, delivery today. I think it's still a bit slow and a bit clunky. Um, but I imagine that in a few years, maybe three, five, or seven, I don't know, we're going to have 3D printers that's going to go like 100 times the, the, the speed that the, the current one. And that's when and where the thing's going to get really exciting because then manufacturing can really come back to you know local manufacturing. But still, in my mind, I think 3D printing has its place in kind of medium-scale manufacturing. Uh, low scale that could it, that that is already working. So you have an you know, airplane company; they do low scale printing, and that's very very effective. With the progress in technology, that's going to move to medium and reasonably high scale three uh, D printing with three D printing farms and everything. So that's the first part of the answer. As for the second part, the sustainability one, that's a super tough answer, meaning. Um, it's very hard to have the complete life cycle of every system. So if you take a system like CNC, which is like a like computer, you know, programming, uh, computer cutting programming, um, you, you take a block of material and then you get rid of some of this material to make a part. 3D printing doesn't work this way. It works by adding a bit of material, you know, by layers usually. And then that creates a part. So you would think that the 3D printer by nature is a bit more sustainable than the other one. But yes. again, you need to look really deeper because um, how do you reuse or recycle the 3D printing parts and everything? And that's a very difficult discussion. Um, for example, I have a 3D printer in my office to do prototypes and parts for my clients. And I use PLA, which is supposed to be recyclable. But it's recyclable in industrial compost only. And that's not what we have, you know, usually. And I think we have only two industrial compost um, facilities in Australia. So I'm not quite sure that the claims are, you know, as accurate as they should be. So the, the, I, I don't really, as you can tell, I don't really have a clear answer when it comes to sustainability. Depends on the volumes of production. It depends on, on a lot of things. And I haven't seen a very comprehensive and clear picture of a life cycle analysis to really, really make a decision today. 
There's a company here in in Western Australia called uh, Green Batch. And so they do uh, plastic recycling and they actually turn the plastic into the plastic that can be used in, I guess, sometimes some kinds of 3D printing. So I guess that solves part of the problem, but it doesn't really, it's not a closed loop, is it? Exactly. Yeah. I think if we make that a closed loop, that's, that's so much better. But you need to be realistic today. We don't quite have the infrastructure for that. Mm-hmm. And 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 you can look at it in both ways. You can say, oh, this is very sad and everything. But actually, there's a huge business opportunity here. So if you really want to, like there are countries in Northern Europe that do that very well. They, they kind of are quite good at reusing and recycling their materials. Um, and sometimes there's incineration, so burning everything. But but they really get rid of like 98%, I guess, of the waste they generate something or, you know, like reuse or recycle or burn them so it's it's a pretty good system wow. amazing that's very high yeah because i think in australia we actually did or continue to or i'm not sure what's happened given the current climate but shipped a lot of our recycling to china <laughs> i know yeah 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 and and to other third world countries which yeah. is yeah that, that's why I'm, I'm very keen to speak about the triple bottom line because that's, you know, the social impact of that is, you know, it's, it's really, really bad. Yeah, I mean, um, I think that's a good segue to that because I'm curious about how, like, as an industrial designer, the circular economy and the triple bottom line fit into, like, guiding your process as being distinct from someone who's just kind of working in the old model. Well, I think the key element for me is... Uh, uh, I'm not sure exactly where I should start there, but I, I always had an interest for sustainability even when I was a kid. Like I was fascinated by nature. And and I was born in the 70s and already I, I knew even when I was a kid, because you could read that in, in the newspaper and everything, that there were sustainability issues. There were already people talking about climate change when I was even before 10. So for me, there's nothing new when people talk about climate change and sustainability and all that stuff. It's been around for a long, 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 long time. Uh, we haven't done much, I guess, uh, or not enough at least, to, um, to address that. So um, from my perspective, when I work with a client, uh, uh, one part of my work is, I would say, education. Um, a lot of people want to design a product that is successful like financially, but they don't really realize that the product has an, an environmental impact and a social impact. And, and sometimes just by talking about it, then you can make different decisions. And the, the big question for me is why would you make decisions and why would a designer would, would ask those questions? And the answer is because 80% of the impact of a product is set at the design stage. So I think that designers have a huge responsibility when it comes to designing and making choices. And I'm not saying those choices are easy, but it's better to make those choices with some awareness of what's happening than you know, turning the blind eye and pretending it doesn't exist. So my position was always educating. And I can maybe share a quick story here. Um, when I was 23, um, so I was one year in my design studio at that, at that time, and um, I was working for a client, and we designed a product for him, and everything was going quite well and uh, as a client okay now we are at that stage where you know we're going to do the first prototype and things are looking quite good would you mind if we look at the environmental impact now and the ceo turned to me and said well i'm here to make money i'm not here you know for the planet or anything wow and Mm. uh, and i said okay uh you know fair enough 
And two weeks later, he came to me and said, okay, can we have a quick meeting? And in a, in a nutshell, he said, okay, well, I have two kids. So if I'm trashing the planet, what kind of father I am for my kids and for other kids on this planet? So can we resume the conversation and see if we can find something? And at the time, the product was extremely technical and there were very, very high technical constraints and we couldn't find like really great alternatives to the, the material that we, we chose at the time. But we could close the loop and we knew facilities that would uh, recycle the material we were using. So that was also already part of the conversation and that was over 25 years ago. Wow. Yeah. That's a very inspiring story. Yeah, and it's interesting as a parent, I can say as well, like it does, <laughs> I think, um, yeah, having a child definitely, um, I've got a six-year-old and he is now at an age where, where he's asking the questions about the planet, like what, why is this bad and why is this good for the planet? And it is very hard to explain. He's asking those tough questions. Why are the people trashing the planet, the oceans? Why are we making the ocean bad for the dolphins? It's a tough question to ask, I think, um, to, to answer, I mean, as an adult. So it does, um, I think for many people, it does make, uh, it does change the way you actually make decisions in your work life, in your business life. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I have a seven-year-old and he's also asking questions and, and he doesn't understand that what we do to animals and the planet and how we treat the environment. And I think to some extent he found it quite shocking the way we mm -hmm. behave. So yeah. uh, we don't really have an answer, but what we say is that well, we're here, you know, we're here for change, and and you know, keep that in your heart. And when you grow up, try to find solutions and help, and see how you can contribute. And there are so many ways to contribute. Like you know, you don't need to be a designer to contribute. You just need to be interested and involved. I agree. Yes, my son is exactly the same. I really have this hope uh, that our generation, the next, the next generation, will really um, make a difference. They're asking the questions. They're really thinking about it. So we've got hope, I think, in yeah. the next generation. That's great. Would you mind if I jump in into what I think could be next from the circular economy? Oh, that was our next question. So oh, we're wow. totally okay. thinking the same thing. <laughs> Yeah. So, well, maybe I'll, I'll jump right in then. Um, so I, in, in my perspective, I think the circular economy is a great concept and it's a concept that should or could have been used maybe 50 or 60 years ago in order to probably avoid the kind of chaos that we're in right now and the issues that we are facing right now. I think the, the next phase, I, I call that the regenerative design, um, which is beyond what the, some of the principle of the circular economy. And what, what I think, I don't have a, a very clear framework at, the, at this stage. I'm, I'm still in the thinking process. But the way I compare that is, um, let's say that the, the Earth as a planet and, you know, as a social system um, is a body and the body temperature is around 37 degrees normally. And for the last 200 years, we've been increasing, you know, with the industrial age and we, we had a fever. And, and now we are like a bit sick. We're like 39 degrees. We're not, you know, super sick, but we are sick enough to see that there's something a bit off. And, and the circular economy will say, okay, you know, we need to limit the input and the output and we, we kind of even things out. 
which in my mind means that we're going to remain at 39 degrees being a bit sick for quite some time. And, um, and the, the principle of the regenerative design to say, okay, we are sick, we need to go back to health, which is 37 degrees, which means that every product and system and services that we design from now on should be given more than they take. So it's not even about carbon balance, it's about carbon gift. It's about capturing more than you take. It's about capturing more methane than you take. It's about capturing more you know, toxins in the air, all that stuff that you take and everything. And I'm not sure how to do that. Uh, I'll, I'll be very blunt and, and honest with you. I'm not sure how to do that. Um, but I find this idea very interesting, and I've, I've been exploring that and talking that uh, with uh, with a few clients. And I, I hope that can, I can have a framework in the next few months, something to start putting that out there, so to speak. And, and do you feel that uh, coronavirus had had any impact on what people are doing in this space, thinking about in terms of how we design? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, there's a push for what they call the green economy now or something that I, I haven't seen as strong before. Um, there were still people pushing. Uh, I was reading a post from the United Nations and, and they had six points for the future. And, and I think three of them speak about, you know, green growth. So it's very clear that uh, we need to shift our, our paradigm and, and our models. Uh, and this COVID-19 um, state or intermediate state or pose that we have is, is um, moving things a bit quicker than, you know, they had before. Are you seeing any other kind of unexpected or surprising impacts in the industrial design space or circular economy because of COVID that will have a long-term impact? It's, um, I, I'm not sure, I'm, a, I'm not a futurist, so it's very hard for me to project that far and, and you know, but I, I think the short term thing, trends, yeah, thing that might I, be I think, on. I think, you know, this will have an impact on people's mind and, and it's going to be really hard to go back to what people call normal because normal, normal wasn't normal in the first place. Well, I'll give you a couple of examples. One, if you've been living in some cities in China and you're 30, uh, because of COVID, for the first time, you've seen that there are mountains around your city, and you've never seen that before. And, and there's a quote somewhere, I don't have it right there with me, but it's, once the mind's expanded, it just cannot go back to it, its previous state. Mm, so okay. which means that all, all those people that have been seeing that, now they have an aspiration to live in a city where they have clear sky, where they can see nature, where they can be part of nature and do their work at the same time. I'm not sure they want to go back to high level of pollution and business as usual in three months. Um, I very much doubt that. I think the impact on the mind is deeper than what most, you know, economic or people would say. The other thing is like in India, for example, because of the level of pollution, people can see the whole Himalaya range. And again, it has the same impact. You know, suddenly you live with nature, not against it. And, um, and I think that will impact behaviors maybe in a subtle way. So I'm hoping that all those elements, um, plus the different conversation that people have today with sustainability um, and the different push from, you know, different uh, like green proposition for the future. I think the whole package will uh, will push to a new system that will be more balanced with the, with nature. 
And what would be the, the I guess, to, to wrap up, to wrap things up a little bit, uh, Philip, uh, what do you think are the top three things we all need to know about the, the new future following this global pandemic, particularly, I guess, um, if we're all hopeful and if people are starting, people are thinking about starting new businesses or doing or getting new jobs, what, uh, maybe designing new products, people maybe had some ideas and they want to develop new products what what are the top three things uh, people should have in mind in, in your, in your oh again that's a very big question uh <laughs> how can i answer this one i think one of the things that that is very obvious to a lot of people today is um, interdependence so what you do here has an impact over there so one man in china had an impact on the whole world um, nobody is protected like there's no rich and poor thing versus the COVID or, you know, other viruses. Absolutely. Um, which means that we're not quite all equal because, I, you know, there were those statements, uh, but people have very different conditions and I appreciate that. Um, but it also means that people have this level of awareness that if you do something here, it's going to have an impact somewhere else. So if you want to design a product today, uh, maybe choosing a local manufacturer with lean manufacturing versus buying bulk from other countries, that could be an option um, that is maybe more uh, sustainable, actually, and, and, and probably better for you know, the planet and everything. But again, it so much depends on the product and the business model that go with it. It's super hard to you know, give a, a very clear answer. But I think... Um, Every product and service is that will try to do do good and trying to really limit their impact. That's that's that will be the future. And, and there's a big awareness. Like if you talk to millennials today, or um, I, I was uh, having a lunch with uh, a CEOs a few couple of months ago, and they were in their you know late fifties or sixties. And, and suddenly they discovered that, you know, there is sustainability and there is, you know, social impact and their decisions are having an impact. It's not all about money all the time. And, and, and those um, CEOs want to do good now. Like they want, they really want to say, okay, we will have another 10, 15 or 20 years before me. So what can I do now to help? I learned from, you know, what I did and I, maybe there was a mistake or, you know, you can label that the way you, you want. Um, but they have this business experience and they want to leverage that now for the good. So we're going to have a very interesting few years ahead of us. Mm, thank you so much, Philip. I think that's <laughs> some very uh, hopeful, much needed hopeful um, insight and um, some stories around things that can keep us hopeful for the future. And um, how can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? Um, I think the best will be uh, to find me on LinkedIn and to connect with me on LinkedIn. And LinkedIn has my email address and pretty much everything you need to go. And I have uh, this uh, TEDx talk I did last year, just, just a year ago. And, um, and this talk is all about impact. And the intention beyond this talk was to empower absolutely everyone and everyone can have an impact. It's not, you know, society is not something out there. It's not the others or, you know, this group or that group. It's us. Mm. And us as individuals, we have some power and we need to use this power. And I think it's a good opportunity today to use that for good. Mm. That is a great message. I totally agree with that. So we'll make sure to include 
um, the the link to your LinkedIn and your TEDx talk in the show notes. Um, so thank you so much for being on the show. Um, if you want you. to know more about this podcast to get in touch, you can head to creatinganewfuture.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to the podcast. It really helps us get the word out about the new future.